eyes on you, Lord. The waves and wind, they still listen to you. No matter what we're going through, we know that it can be well with our soul as long as we keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we are in week number three of a series going through a story in the book of the Bible known simply as Ruth. It's, in fact, one of the greatest short stories ever written. But this one isn't fiction. It captures real events involving real people. And here's just a recap of the story so far, in case you haven't been here. A Jewish man leaves his home in Israel because of a famine that's plaguing the land. And he goes to a land known as Moab. And that doesn't sound like much of a plot, but as we've learned, he never should have left his home, and he certainly should have never gone to Moab. Leaving showed a lack of faith in God, and going to Moab showed a disdain for his own country. The Jews and the Moabites weren't really all that close. In fact, they were bitter enemies. So when he gets there, he dies. Then his two sons marry Moabite women, and then they die. And the widowed, matriar the widowed matriarch, Naomi, along with one of her widowed daughters-in-law, a woman by the name of Ruth, journeyed back to Naomi's home in the town of Bethlehem. For Ruth, this return home with Naomi was remarkable. She was turning her back on her home. She was turning her back on her people to remain faithful to her dead husband's mother. She was also pledging herself to the God of Israel. She had become a believer and a follower of God. Now, obviously, there is a lot more to the story than just that short little recap. So if you've missed any of these, you can go to our website or YouTube channel and catch the first two installments. But at least now you know where we are in the story. So let's pick it up from there. Now, there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. Let's, let's stop there for a moment, because in that one verse, it's a bombshell. See, Naomi comes back to Bethlehem, a widow, along with both of her sons being dead. But that's not all. Not only was she a widow without sons, but her father was apparently already dead, and there's no record of her having any brothers. In the culture of that day and age, that meant that she had no one to look after her, no one to care for, no one to be responsible for her, to protect her. She was completely on her own. Same goes for Ruth. These were two extremely vulnerable women. But then this is dropped into the middle of the story. There is, in fact, a male relative in the mix, and, and he's wealthy, and he lives in that very town. And here's why that's so significant. 
In the Jewish culture of that day, if a father or a husband died, the closest male relative on the father's or the husband's side of the family could step in as be known as a, a kinsman redeemer or a family redeemer. They could step in and care for the family. They could, that could also include marrying the widow if she was childless in order to provide an heir for her family. It could involve buying back land that a poor relative had sold to someone in order to survive. It could mean buying the freedom of a relative who had been sold into slavery. It could mean looking after a needy or a, a helpless member of the family, such as a, an orphan. It could even involve avenging the killing of a relative. But did you notice my language through all of that? They could do that. They didn't have to do that. It was just their legal right to get involved and to serve and to buy and to marry or, or whatever else might be needed if they desired. But it wasn't just about willingness. It also had to do with wealth. Because even if you wanted to function as a family redeemer for that relative, it usually meant that you would need to have the finances to do so. So, in one sentence, potentially everything changes for Naomi and as an extension to Ruth. There is a wealthy male relative living in Bethlehem who could, if he wanted to, choose to change their lives. And his name is Boaz. So what happens next? One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who's kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. Let's stop after that verse. Last week I brought up the question as to whether Naomi was a good mother-in-law to Ruth, whether she was a faithful follower to God, whether she was a person who was acting selflessly with a giving character, and the answer I proposed last week was no, no, and no. It pretty much three strikes against Naomi, and here is one more missed swing. Naomi sitting at home, not doing anything to address their situation their poverty. Ruth is determined to try and to do something to help out their life, to find a way, to make a way, just to do anything. She seems to know that Naomi wasn't going to join her. So she doesn't say, why don't we go out into the field? Why don't we do this? But instead says, let me do this. And here is what Ruth wanted to do. The custom in those days was designed to serve the poorest of the poor. And you must, you kind of have to understand a little bit about harvesting to get this. See, a field full of ripened grain standing tall, ready to be cut down, and men would come along with a scythe or a, or a sickle and cut it down. Then they would be followed by a group of women who would, who would, grab those stalks of grain into sheaves. And in the process of doing this, there would often be stray stalks of grain 
that would be left on the ground. And it, it wasn't a neat and clean process. What Ruth was going to do was to go behind that crew and to gather what she could from those few isolated, loose stalks lying on the ground. And that is what was called gleaning. It was a law that once the crew went through the field, they couldn't go back and glean it themselves. They had to leave it for the poor, the widow, the orphan, so that they could also be cared for. So you, you could imagine that the crews were, were careful to leave as little as possible. Not only because they wanted that crop for themselves, because that was their finances, but also because they couldn't go back to glean it again. They had one shot to get every stalk of grain they could out of that field. And even though it was the law, they, you can imagine they probably resented the people who came and got what was missed. See, it was these people, we use that term sometimes nowadays, those people. It was, it was those people getting what was theirs the farmers, the harvesters, it was, it was letting them get it for free when they didn't put forth all the work and all the effort, all the money to grow the field. You see, this is why gleaning wasn't a particularly safe or even a desirable thing to do if you got close to where they were working. In other words, if you moved from gleaning to harvesting, if you got a little too close, you would often be beaten. You would often be beaten and driven off regardless because they didn't really like you out there getting what they viewed as their crops. And if you were a woman, alone, you could often be assaulted because you wouldn't be out there gleaning as a woman unless you had no man to provide and to protect for you in that day and age. And everyone knew it. So if you were a woman by yourself gleaning, it was like holding up a sign saying, I have no man in my life whatsoever who will come to aid me, to protect me. So what does Naomi say to Ruth? Whatever. Sure. Go. I don't really care. Go glean if you want to. I'm staying here. No sign of concern for what it might mean to Ruth. No offer to warn her of the dangers in gleaning. And certainly no offer to go with her. Let's keep reading. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. See, it's starting to get good now. The field she goes into is the field of that family redeemer. But before we move on to what happens next, because it continues to get pretty interesting, let's observe something about life here. We stepped back last week and, and just looked at the choices that Naomi made and the consequences that they had brought on to and into her life. And it was clear that, that she had missed out on one of the most important life lessons, life principles that you can ever take hold of. And she was frantically doing anything and everything to try to self-protect, to try to self-preserve, that she missed out on this one 
critical truth that the safest place you can ever be is in the center of God's will. Let's, let's step back and get another big idea from what Naomi is doing here. You have two women in dire straits. One gave into a pity party, turned inward upon herself, and as a result didn't do anything to try to improve things, to try to change things, to try to make the best of things. She sat around with a woe is me attitude wanting everyone to feel sorry for her and to give her handouts. Now, I don't know what she was expecting, but, but not Ruth. Ruth wasn't expecting anything from anyone else. She was about creating something for herself on her own. She was going to get out there to try to change the way that things were going, or at least to try to make the best of a bad situation. And when she did, as we see here, and as we'll see even more as the story continues to unfold, God honors that and begins to meet her efforts with his provision. You think she ended up in a field owned by Boaz by chance? No way. God was using her faith her spirit, her determination, her obedience, her will to bring her into the life that he wanted and that she needed. See, there's a lesson here. What is made out of life, particularly in light of the activity of God, is less about our circumstances than it is about our choices. What you do and how you think and the faith that you have in response to those circumstances is what matters. We have two reactions fleshed out here, Naomi's and Ruth's. Time and time again, when bad times come, when setbacks occur, people either react in self-pity or with resolve. A woe is me attitude or a let's make it happen attitude. They either wallow in what has happened or they begin working towards a new tomorrow. They either give in or they move on. One leaves you right where you are and even makes things worse. But the other, the other leads you to define your circumstances and moves you into a position where God can carry you forward. See, that, that life, that is rewarded. The, the life that is met by God's activity is the life that's seeking God's will. Acting and doing something to react to life's circumstances in a good and a godly way. So let's, let's see what the choice Ruth made is going to do for her. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Now I know I keep stopping after every verse. And you might want me to shut up so that we can get to the rest of the story. But, but there's something that happens here. And it's, and it's significant. It's our first introduction to Boaz and the kind of man that he is. He greets the workers with, the Lord be with you. And they know enough about him 
to reply with an equally spiritual answer, the Lord bless you. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever worked out in the fields or maybe in any you know, manual labor situation, in a warehouse, wherever it is. In any of those industries, we don't often greet each other in the morning with, the Lord be with you. And you certainly don't get a response, and the Lord bless you, in reply. Sure, the Lord's name might be used, but it's usually in vain. But that's not the way it often happens. But Boaz was apparently such a deeply devout man that he greets his employers in light of his faith. And they respect him enough to do the same. Which speaks volumes about his character and his integrity, his reputation in that community. Now, now we can keep going, and we'll do more than one verse this time. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who's that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is a young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Here we learn some things about Ruth. First, she was probably pretty good looking. There's only two reasons for Boaz who would have, who, to have noticed her and to ask specifically about her. One is that she was the only woman gleaning in the field, and, and that's unlikely. This is the, the heart of the harvest season, and there were probably many poor out there gleaning. The other is that she stood out somehow by her physical appearance, or at least in terms of maybe she was on the younger side of things. Second, what we learn about Ruth is that she was humble in her condition. Though she had the right under the law, to glean in the fields, she still asked for permission. And next, we learn that she is hardworking. Even though the other workers, even the other workers commented on her work ethic and how hard she had been working, that, that she kept going and barely took any breaks, and Ruth didn't know Boaz was, the, was a family redeemer to her and Naomi. But Boaz knew. When he was told that this was the widow of the son of Elimelech, Boaz knew exactly who Ruth was. And this is what he does next. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the man to, to not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Immediately, he goes to her and calls her his daughter. And this tells us two things. One, that he immediately had a soft spot in his heart for this woman. And two, that he was most likely old enough to be her father. And then he gives her explicit instructions for her well-being. Stay in this field. 
stay with the other women. Then he adds that he told the men not to harm her or to take advantage of her in any way and to allow her to drink from their water. These were all extraordinary things to say and to do. He was making it so that she could glean all that she wanted, even to the point of being right with the crew, ahead of all the other gleaners who had to keep their distance from them, and to also help herself to the water, which is a huge issue back then. Working in the fields in the heat of the day would make you terribly thirsty. And those gleaning in the field were on their own. The time it would take for them to leave the field, to go and to find water and then to come back would be a long period of time. So they would either just give up when they left to get water or they would go without water physically, which you couldn't do for very long. So this was a huge gift to Ruth. And she knew it. So let's, let's keep reading. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by, by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. Here's what's interesting about this. Ruth is obviously grateful and responds accordingly. But it is Boaz who is surprising here. She says, why are you doing this? Did you notice what he didn't say? What he could have said? He didn't tell her that he was the family redeemer. He didn't say that it was because he was rich and, and could afford to be generous. He didn't say it was because I'm a pretty good guy. He didn't say it was because she was pretty and to use it to flirt with her or to take advantage of her. He didn't lay claim to anything that might seem self-serving. He said it was all about her and specifically how she was so faithful to Naomi and faithful to the God of Israel. It was her walk with God, her faith in God, her relationship with with God that stirred his heart. And it apparently stirred others as well. Naomi comes home with a Moabite girl in tow. And all the people were seemingly talking about was this Moabite girl and what an amazing woman she was. And Boaz essentially says, you are known for how you serve Naomi and how you love and serve our God. So now, in honor of that, I will serve you. And then says a prayer of blessing over her. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully 
for what you have done. But Boaz isn't done. Let's, let's keep reading. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all that she wanted and had some left over. And as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. See, we see him doing all that he can to care for her. He honors her with his table. He presents her with some food and then makes sure that her labor in the fields is honored. He actually tells his workers to not even worry if she's right into the harvest. And if she does keep gleaning, to make sure that they, that they purposefully drop plenty on the ground for her to pick up. Well, let's finish this part of the story. So Ruth gathered barley there all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with, this young stay with his young women and right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. Now there are three things. Three things to note in that as we close out this story. Number one, you have to love Naomi. She didn't care one bit about Ruth going out to glean in the fields in the start of the day. But when Ruth comes home, having connected with Boaz with a lot of, of proceeds, suddenly Ruth's safety is important to her. Number two, Ruth continued going into the fields of Boaz and continued to be cared for as a result. No, it would have been between two and three months of gleaning in this way under the care and under the protection of Boaz. Which brings us to the third thing to note, and it's that last little line, which may seem like a little throwaway line, but let me read it to you again. And all the while she lived 
with her mother-in-law. Here's why that's worth noting. In one day, because of the way Boaz was treating her, she gleaned enough for two weeks' worth of food, which means a week's worth for her and a week's worth for Naomi. But she went out day after day, harvest after harvest, meaning they were probably selling from the surplus. They had more than enough for themselves, meaning Ruth didn't have to live with Naomi anymore. She was becoming financially independent. But she stayed with Naomi. She didn't take advantage of Boaz's interest and leave her mother-in-law or take advantage of her newfound ability to provide for herself and to move out of the house and to leave Naomi all by herself. She stayed faithful and loyal to Naomi. She was just that kind of person. And that isn't the only reason why this is significant. This will be a big aspect in the plot development as we move along in the story, but that, that she was still living with Naomi, the two of them together, tells us that even after two or three months, Boaz had done nothing. They were both widows living on their own, but he hadn't taken any other action as the family redeemer. I'll leave you with that as a teaser for next week. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for, the, for the message that you give us in this book, for the, the ability that we have to look at the life that Ruth is living and to, to take it to heart, to be faithful to you, even when things seem lost, even when it seems like the world is against us, you will always provide. We have that confidence in you. We have that love in you because you've done it over and over again. You always watch after us and you will always protect us. Just one of the many reasons why we praise you.